guys know this, uh, but that is unbridled joy. That's what that is. Um, Garrett did not grow up in the church. He didn't spend a ton of time uh, in the church. And for some of us, like, that looks very different than our baptism experience, you know, in some sort of robe in a very organized way in a very controlled environment. And so seeing that, you're like, what are these kids doing? Like, you're just flipping out. What that is, you guys, is that is generations of our youth group baptizing their peers. That is Sam Palmquist baptizing Garrett Whitmore, who is now baptizing someone else. That's happening in our youth group. And that's incredible. I get so excited. And you should too. You were watching online. It's incredible. And if, if there's nothing else going on, I'm telling you, God is at work in the heart of the next generation. And you know what? It's worth celebrating. And that unbridled joy is contagious. It's contagious. So, that being said, we're going to talk about pause today. We're continuing our series. And I have to warn you, today's message, uh, every time I, I prepare for one of these, it's a little different. Normally, and we're going to get back into John here in a few weeks. I'm, I'm excited to start that again, the Gospel of John. But I'm telling you, each week I kind of wait, and I'm listening, and I'm watching, and I'm letting the Spirit move, and I'm, and I'm trying to be receptive, and then also not procrastinate and be too lazy to drive my wife crazy on Fridays and Saturdays when I'm finishing my sermons. But I'm telling you, each week God has given me, I feel like something that I am learning and I'm watching, and I feel like this week is just like any of the others. Um, it has felt like I just know exactly what I'm supposed to say, and I'm supposed to say it with confidence. And those of you that are walking, watching online, I'm so glad you're here, and I'm so glad you're paying attention, because it's for you too. Because here's what's going on. Uh, we're in this place now where uh, it's like Humpty Dumpty fell apart, okay? And now all the king's horses and all the king's men, you know how the rest goes. And so we're at that place, I think it's polarizing, and we're, we're trying to figure out what are we going to do, and how's this going to come back, and for some of us, there's this immense amount of confidence, and others, there's immense amount of optimism, and there's, there's fear and faith and all this messiness. And so what I'm going to talk about today is, is the Good Samaritan, okay? It's probably one of my top, it's probably top five favorite Bible stories. I've definitely taught on it here before. It's definitely something that if you're growing up in the church, you have heard a lot, and it's not something that I think when you immediately hear that, you're like, Okay, here we go again. We're going we're gonna to hear the story. But what I want you to do instead is I want you to have a good definition because just the fact that you know what the Good Samaritan is, because that's a title head over the section in your, Bible, in your Bible, Good Samaritan, you need to have a good definition. This is what the word Samaritan means just by me just giving you kind of a definition for you to hold on to, okay? It is unclean half-breeds with wrong theology, no brains, no legitimate faith or claim to it. Right? That is the mindset of the common Jewish follower of God at the time that this story is recorded. So the fact that we're even using the word good before this should tell you that there's something going on in this story that's worth investigating, that something has changed, that good could go before this type of person, an unclean half-breed with wrong theology, no brain, and no legitimate faith or claim to it. I mean, that's a pretty aggressive, negative title on a group of people, the Samaritans. So that being said, we're going to jump in. And if, I guess I should say this. If you want to know more about why this, this, that sort of definition, go to John chapter 4 and read this later. Some of you have a little extra time in your week. Go to John chapter 4, read this, and there's, there's an interaction that Jesus has in John with a Samaritan woman, and Jesus interacts specifically with a Samaritan, 
And if you go and investigate that a little bit, you'll understand there's two temple systems, two places of worship. One is seen as legitimate, one is seen as not. Both people are on either sides. It's an incredible mess. Captivity and people being brought back and illegitimate marriages and all this stuff that's going on. And it's boiled into an incredibly toxic place at the time of the story being told. Now just hold on to that definition because you're going to need a little later. Jesus, in the context of this story, in Luke chapter 10, is being questioned by a guy that's called an expert of the law. Now, you have to understand, this is a common occurrence over Jesus' ministry where kind of the religious leaders of the day kind of get their best talkers, orators, arguers, and they bring them and they try to catch Jesus in a lie to bring illegitimacy to his movement, to kind of undermine his teaching, to kind of take the wind out of his sails of this movement that's going on behind the scenes. And this is a common occurrence. And this is another one of those times where this time, as every kind of scholar and commentary that I'm reading, it, it seems like this is a lawyer is basically what this is. It's a guy that it basically they would bring and they would use this kind of in like places where people had broken rules or broken commands, and they would kind of use him as kind of going like, well, how much legitimacy is there in that? And he had that expert level, okay? So this guy knows his stuff, and this is the guy that brings the question. So in Luke, in the law, there's our lawyer, stood up to test Jesus. Like I said, this common occurrence. And Luke is recording this with great detail, incredible detail, which I love. Teacher, he said, which is just a little bit like this is insulting when somebody that probably thinks they're a little better and higher than you asks, you know, it's like, oh, hello, mother. Get it? Just a little bit like, oh, that's not nice. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit life? Now, pause. This is really important to understand. That seems very straightforward, and in two, some parts it is, but it's not completely straightforward as you think. It's, it's very, very divisive in a question, and let me tell you why. At the time, the Jewish people had two main theologies about eternal life. The Pharisees believed that eternal life was something that was absolutely a gift from God and could be received, whereas the Sadducees were Sadducee because they didn't believe that and that you died. That's a joke. Anyway, so that's the way to think about this. So basically what this question at the root of it is he's trying to pin Jesus into one of these two groups. He's trying to figure out where he's at, because if Jesus responds and goes, there's no such thing as eternal life, then all the Sadducees are like, yay, we're right, and all the Pharisees are like, no, and they get mad, all right? But if he does start talking about eternal life, then guess what? All the Sadducees are going to be like, oh, and they're going to get angry. But there's also a question in here about eternal life. Like, what does it mean to go after life to the full? Get it? This extension. What is written in the law? This is where he's starting to ask his lawyer questions to Jesus. What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Ooh, See, this is where things start to get a little crazy. The expert in the law is asking for Jesus' opinion. If that doesn't terrify you, if someone that knows the law starts asking you, so like, what are the rules of the road for Missouri? 
And then they start specifically asking you specific questions that you've only answered once when you took that DMV, DMV test, like, you know, all those years ago where they put those little lights in front of your face and then they put the signs and you're like, is that a railroad crossing or a do not enter? I don't remember. I don't have good eyesight. I think this is an eyesight test. This isn't a DMV test. This is an eyesight test. I can't remember. That, this is it. This is that moment. But Jesus is the real teacher. And he answers, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then, as if that's not the answer this guy's expecting, because this is Deuteronomy, Jesus tacks this on. Bloop. And love your neighbor as yourself. Now, to highlight this in the Greek, I've reframed this and just, that is like everything inside of you, okay? But these two concepts of love, your Lord, love the Lord and love your neighbor are intertwined. So this is what it is. To love the Lord is to love your neighbor. That's, that's the easiest way to kind of understand the pith, like the strength of that second thing being like thrown in there. It's not pigeoned in, you guys. It's not like love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, and all your soul, and love your neighbor. It's not that. It is to love the Lord is to love your neighbor. You cannot remove one and have the other. They're connected. Now that is new. That is a new concept. And this expert of the law, of course, knows that Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy and Leviticus, so he can't really dispute that. So he's like, okay, wait. And you can tell, though, he's quick on his feet. I mean, he's an expert. This guy's done this before. So he very quickly comes back with a question, right? And he's like, all right, all right, all right, all right. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, I got you now. Who is my neighbor? And Mr. Rogers stood up. No, I'm saying. And, and, and this is the moment, though, like where you can see how this question all of a sudden is trying to divide the room again. He's trying to divide the room because if he can get Jesus, my neighbor, I mean, if he answers my homies, like my friends, my family, then, then that's an excuse to not love the people he doesn't mention, right? But if he just says one specific religious group, then that group will then gain power, right? And so like he's thinking, oh yeah, how is he going to list everybody? Or is he going to take the cop-out answer and pull the Jesus card and just go like this, everybody? Because that, isn't that what we would do, right, naturally? We would just go like, well, everybody, everybody's your neighbor, and you're like, so you are neighbors with everybody? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> See? See how this is a tricky question? But Jesus doesn't answer the question with an answer. He tells a story. And this is where we get the story of the Good Samaritan. This is the context. So who's my neighbor? Jesus just breaks. This is such an Eastern way to teach that Americans eat up, that Westerners just eat up. We love a good story. Love a good story. That's why some of us are begging to go back to the movies. So let me go back. We love a good story. So this is Jesus breaks into his story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho where he was attacked by robbers. That's all I always want to know. Who's the bad guys? So my boys want to know, who's the bad guys? Who are the bad guys, Dad? The robbers are the bad guys. They stripped him. 
took off his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. All right, we have our conflict in our story. What's going to happen to this guy? A priest, our first character, we're introduced outside of this, this guy on the side of the road, happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by the other side. How could he? No, he needs help. Someone help him. And so to a Levite, went and came to the place and saw him. There, he did not just miss him. Saw him and passed by the other side. Two people, heartless. How dare they? But a Samaritan. Pause. Remember that word. Let's come back up to the first character. What is a priest at the day and age? Simple. You ready? Worked at a church. He just worked at the church. Different synagogues, different places, all over the, city, all the nation of Israel. He worked somewhere there. All right? And he's just on his road, but he has a connection to faith. Time. The religious place of worship. That's the priest that went, peace. See, I told you we're sinners. Guys, and work at church. I told you. We mess up. It's true. So what's a Levite then? The second character. He has heritage and a reputation for deep faith. This is the, the line all the way back to Jacob, all the way back, the tribe of Israel. This is the Levites that have taken care of the Ark of the Covenant, that have been charged of the special sacraments, that have deep ritual heritage of faith. I mean, this is a family of generations of faith. Deep, entrenched. Other side of the road. Let me remind you, as I told you before, what a Samaritan is. Are you starting to pick up on how polarizing this would be? An unclean, half-breeds, with wrong theology, no brains, no legitimate faith, or claim to it. When he said, but a Samaritan in the story, everyone went white and silent and clenched their fists. Now, I struggled, but I think I came up with a way for all of us to feel this way. And I want you to give me grace as I share these. And remember, I love you. And I'll be fair, but I want you to feel it. Are you ready? A Hillary Clinton-loving, Planned Parenthood-supporting outsider. A Samaritan. Just to be fair, all right? Being fair, not pulling punches. A Donald Trump-loving, wall-building outsider. A Samaritan. And so we can all get on the same team. So we can all collectively feel it. A Westboro Baptist-loving, protesting fallen soldiers' funerals-supporting outsider. A Samaritan. And if you don't know who Westboro Baptist is, it's a cult. It's a fear cult. Incredibly harmful. And against what I believe the message of Jesus is. And they really do do this. They pick it outside of fallen soldiers. 
Do we, are we starting to feel it now? So this is when a priest walks by, a Levite walks but a Samaritan. And then we got this guy. And we're like, oh no, what's he going to do? He's going to screw it up. He's going to mess this up so bad. This is going to be so bad. And then we get the rest of the story. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. This is not pity the fool, Mr. T. All right? This is he put himself in his place. And he went, oh, that would be awful if that was me. I need to help. So he went to him, didn't walk away, didn't call for help. He himself went. And he bandages his wound, pouring, oil, uh, pouring out an oil and wine. And then he put the man on his donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And if that wasn't enough... At this point in the story, you're like, okay, okay, we get it. Like, I mean, you get it. Okay, he was a good guy or whatever. Then he, the next day, he took out two denarii, which is two days' wage, and he gave it to the innkeeper, and he said, look after him. Take care of him. Look after him. And he said, and I will return, and I will reimburse you any extra expense you may have. An open bill. That guy wakes up, and he's like, he said, what? I'm going to need some pancakes. I mean, this is an open tab. For whatever this guy needs, no questions asked. Now, Jesus is a master teacher. Master teacher. Because he concludes this by looking that expert in the law in the face and saying this. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robber? The man that was trying to get Jesus just got God. And you can tell because of his answer. Not what? The Samaritan. But the one who had mercy on him. Now, here's what's so cool. I didn't even say this in first service, so if you're listening now, you're getting extra. He did Jesus' answer for him, didn't he? He didn't put a title on it. He didn't put it to a group of people. He said, the one, which is anyone who would show mercy on him. And Jesus said, oh, and this would have just been painful. You remember our definition of Samaritan? He's like, you know that guy, that half-breed, the guy you don't like, the guy that has no legitimate faith or claim to it? Yeah, yeah, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise like him. I can just see this guy walking away and all his friends that thought he was going to trap Jesus, they're like, what'd you do? He's like, I don't know what just happened. How did this happen? That's the power of Jesus. It's the power of the gospel. I find it funny that an outsider goes above and beyond and pays it in full. The person that we would see as the other side of the aisle or the other side of our theology or beyond what we believe is good and right and worth saving naturally, he's the one that goes above and beyond and pays this thing in full. 
And, and that's what's so brilliant about these parables. And if you've never read parables, you may not know this, but every time Jesus tells a parable, he's trying to point something out about who God is. It's not always about us. We like to make it about us. I mean, this story definitely has feelings in my, inside of me where I'm like, oh man, I need to love better. I need to go above and beyond. But, but look, this, this story also has significance for who Jesus is. Because the, the idea here is Jesus was an outsider who went above and beyond all the way to a cross for you. And for me, and so not only is he teaching this expert in the law about how he should love, but he's also, he's also saying, this is how I will love you. You treat me this way, you act like I am this, you act like I'm not your friend, that I'm beyond what you would want, but yet this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go all the way to a cross, above for you. Paul does his best, I think, in... Ephesians to kind of lay this out and to give it bones for us to kind of chew on. This parable, he says, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desire and are not a part of God. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. We were the opposite of God. Darkness is defeated by light. God is righteous in his anger. Just like everyone else, but God is, God is so rich that so has so much significance. Like beyond, go far beyond what you could need. Rich in mercy, and he loves us so much. See those so's, it draws it out. But that, that even though we were dead, by the road, without help, could not be rescued, because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that he came and rescued us, that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. He did not leave us on the side of the road or just bandage our wounds, but brought us home because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God, this is it, this is it, just listen. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown as he has done for us who who we and for us who are united with Christ Jesus this is so powerful god saved you by grace when you believed and you cannot take credit for this it is a gift from god you have done nothing to deserve this salvation is not a reward in good things that have done so none of us can boast about it for we are God's masterpiece. Created anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that he has planned for us long ago. This time, this age, what's going on, he has plans in it. Good things that come from an incredible wealth of grace and kindness that we've been shown. Here's the simple truth of today's message. You ready? Go above and beyond to love your neighbors as Jesus loved you. You remember this term, go above and beyond? How many of y'all grew up with a mom or a dad or an uncle or somebody that said this term, go above and beyond? Quick, kind of settle. I did. I grew up with a mom 
that said, go above and beyond what I'm asking you to do. I don't want you to do the bare minimum. I want you to do more. I go to the coach that, like, you're running sprints in basketball. You're half dead. You're puking. And he's like, touch the line. Go beyond the line. Don't, don't be short of the line. Don't cheat yourself. Touch the line. Anybody have one of those stories online? I see you. You got you. Raise your hand. Look, how about this? Mom, don't just do the dishes when I ask you to do the dishes. Do the dishes when I don't ask you. Go above and beyond. Don't just do the chore list I give you. Help out around here. Go above and beyond what I'm calling you to do. Listen, we need to go above and beyond. This is not a time to settle for bare minimum. This is not a time to squeeze by with our love. This is a time to lavish it, to richly give it out as we've been given. This is a time to say, look, we have been given incredible wealth of grace. We will shower it. Why? Because this is the masterpiece of God. And I'm a part of it. I'm a part of it. I'm going to live it out. And I'm telling you, I have never felt more division in my life than over the last two months. I have not met one person that we all agree on exactly what's even going on. We agree on pieces or parts, but then there's nothing that we're like, yeah, certain that we're certain about this certainty that we're certainly living in right now. None of that except for Christ to do. That has not changed. It will not change. How we love is going to take above and beyond, not the bare Minimum. We can do better. I can do better at figuring out what this is. I don't want to come out of quarantine. I don't want you to come out of quarantine and to be like a shriveled grape of bitterness that's just ready to just ooze just bitterness on anyone of what we lost and what has been done and how much we've been tortured. And blah, blah, blah. I want to come out ready, ripe, full to go above and beyond, prepared. For what's to come. Not because of what I'm doing or what, what I can do, but because of what God has done. Believing in that. Here's your questions. These are the things that are going to change this. This is the way that we're going to take steps. You need to walk through these questions. You need to take a picture of this when they're all on top. You need to walk through these intentionally. This is what's going to help us take steps to go above and beyond. Who is your neighbor? Name the Samaritan group. Name it. All right? Don't whisper it to your neighbor. Don't create division. All right? But in your own heart, name it. Who is God calling you to love? Be specific. Question one. What is the group or person that you need to try to love better? And here's the key. In your heart and in your words, and in your actions. When you click on the thing, when you read the article, when you overhear the radio, when you overhear a conversation in the grocery store, when you sit in front of a relative and they speak it out, you need to start taking control of your love. Don't let your words, your heart, or your actions be a poor representation of the love you've received in Christ. Don't do it. Don't do it. 
Start to change things. And if you need to ask for help to change your heart or words or actions to your neighbor, you need some prayer, you need to start putting it on a prayer list. So I'm wake up every morning, and I'm just going to pray, God, let your love flow in so it may flow out, because I got nothing. I'm an empty nothing right now. I'm bitter and broken and ready for this to be over. If, I don't, if you don't fill me up, that's all they're going to get. That's all they're going to get. Or maybe you just need to confess to a friend. You need somebody else to know that you've struggled with this. This is something that you're just continually, Facebook has consumed you. You can't stop clicking and looking. A conversation with a friend, you guys just rile each other up. It's not healthy. Or maybe you just need some accountability in this. Someone to call you, someone to check on you, saying, hey, are you reflecting that love? Are you taking steps? Are you going above and beyond? Are you playing it by the minimum? Playing it by the minimum. You guys, if we did this, I really believe the church is positioned so well to have more unbridled joy moments, to have places divisive would see unity and love like never before and would ask, where is that coming from? It makes no sense. How does this work? And you and I would get to look at them and say this. It's because I love God and I love you and I cannot separate the two. And I'm going above and beyond just as he did to show you it. Oh, what a church we would be if we could do that. Golly, let me pray for you. Pray for my heart too. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, continue to call us to this love. Continue to show us what it looks like to go above and beyond. Don't let our definitions or prejudice or, or party lines or, or negative thoughts or attitudes or experiences just keep us from expressing your love. May we truthfully pursue you, asking you to guide us, asking you to reveal what it looks like. Show us our neighbors. May we be a good Samaritan knowing that we received your grace and love and reflecting it to the world. But thank you for your son and the work he has done. In your name we pray, amen. As we kind of close out our service today, we get to do something a little special. Uh, I want to have John come up to the stage. Um, normally we would recognize our seniors that are graduating high school right here. Uh, we would do things a little differently, but we wanted to still take advantage of the opportunity to do that and I think John has something special that he wants to share with you. Thanks, buddy. Hey, man. Well, uh, last year, Trevor handed me the reins to the youth group. And to kind of invite you guys a little bit into my heart, when you get uh, a youth group and you're in charge of it, it's kind of like running a cruise ship is the best way I can describe it. You, uh, from the outside, everything looks awesome. You know, you get on board, there's food flying everywhere, games, people are having a great time, and there's that, that lower deck of uh, everybody that's working to make that happen. And right now, I just want to thank everybody that kind of went into the trenches the last four years for this group, uh, that's volunteered, that showed up, that's been in their lives. There's been a lot of you guys that, that have bled, and usually we would, we would bring them up here and have them kind of share their hearts. Uh, but instead, I had uh, a few of the youth group make a video and check this, uh, check this out here.
Hey there, I'm Slater Eldridge. Most of you may know me. I'm a graduating senior here from Kingsway. Uh, one of my favorite memories here of, is probably being able to come on Wednesday nights and playing basketball on the goal and having dunk contests. That was always fun uh, with everybody here. Uh, one thing that I learned was probably just knowing that, you know, no matter where you're at in life, God can help you get through anything if you just believe and trust in him. Uh, and what I'm doing after high school, or I mean, high school's technically over, so I am going to go to OTC and I'm going to study internet technology and hopefully transfer to Missouri State and get my bachelor's. My name is Brittany Loftus and I'm graduating from Mount Vernon High School. My favorite memory from youth would have to be splitting off into our little groups on Wednesday nights and getting to see Zach and Jade because we always had so much fun and our group was never boring. We never had a dull moment. My favorite lesson that I learned over the past four years is that life is hard and while many things come and go, Jesus will always be there for you. My plan plus credits and then transfer to a four-year college where I will double major in both psychology and English. Um, and then I will go on to law school and become a prosecuting attorney. And I'm very excited. I'm thankful to have been a part of the Kingsway family and I'm excited to take this next step. Hi, I'm Hannah Wilson and I've gone to Kingsway for eight years. My favorite memory is going on a camping trip with Brooke and Seth Snowden in middle school. Being at Kingsway has truly taught me how to be true to myself and true to my faith in the Lord. In the fall, I will be going to OTC to get my associates and later transferring to MSU to get my bachelor's in education. Hi, I'm Caden Killingsworth, and I'm going to State Fair Community College next year to play golf. And probably one of my favorite memories is definitely just like Kickapalooza and how crazy and fun it was with all my friends and fellow youth people. And one thing that I've definitely learned is just be yourself and it doesn't matter who you are because God will always love you. Hi, my name is Colby Johnston, and I'm graduating from Mount Vernon High School. My favorite youth memory is probably from freshman year when the youth group went to Tennessee, and I got to witness two baptisms while we were on a whitewater rafting trip, and that was really eye-opening and life-changing. God has taught me in the last four years, he's taught me a lot of things. Um, one thing that he has taught me is that we can't, uh, we can't control some things, but the things we can't control, we just have to learn how to trust that God has a plan for everything that happens. Hi, I'm Kill Miller. I'm graduating from Mount Vernon. Um, I'll be attending UCM to study cybersecurity and play football. Um, my favorite youth memory is the Tennessee trip. That was so much fun, and I learned so much about Jesus and myself. And um, one thing I learned about God always gives you blessings in different ways. Hey guys, we're Zach and Jade Carr, and we have had the privilege of working with this group of seniors since their freshman year of high school. And we have enjoyed watching them grow in their faith and grow into the young adults that they have become. The, uh, these boys, well, there's a lot of boys and a couple girls, but, uh, man, uh, when we took them as freshmen, we, uh, Trevor asked us to come help with the youth and he knew what he was signing us up for, but we didn't. Um, let's just say, I don't remember what freshman boys are like, 
but freshman boys. I mean, that's just enough said. So um, and thought like, oh, this would be an awesome opportunity to really give back to to our community and like. Uh, now with a two and a half year old, I'm like, oh, this is easy because freshman boys. So, uh, but seriously, like it's been a blessing to us. We uh, we have had a blast with these kids, and and I'm seriously going to miss them. Um, they're very, very, very mature young men and women. Um, they just uh, they're they're leaders. They're leaders in their class. Um, you can tell that they're going to do things. Uh, specifically, I would like done an excellent job, maybe whether you think so or not, um, in some cases. Um, they're great kids. They really are. As this chapter closes and the next one opens, we wish you success and pray for spiritual guidance as you go. Kingsway Youth, Seniors of 2020, we wish you great success. Thanks for letting us be a part of your life and uh, go get it. We love you guys. God bless. So again, I just want to say uh, thank you to Jade and Zach because it is a commitment. Four years is a long time to spend. That's where those bonds grow really deep. And a special thanks to Trevor. Uh, the last three years for them have been uh, under his guidance and leadership. So I just want to make sure that uh, he gets recognized as well. And to the parents, guys, uh, thank you for trusting your kids with us. Uh, we have loved, loved to get to know them. They are a special group. Uh, they're, they're great kids, and I am excited for their future. So we're going to recognize them real quickly. So I'd like for you guys uh, that are seniors graduating in the room to stand on up. And we do have one in the balcony. So come on, stand on up, guys. All right. You guys can give them a round of applause. And I'd like for you guys to stay standing because we're going to pray over you guys um, to end service here. Uh, but before we do that, uh, there is a senior that is not with us. Mary Cowherd uh, went to be with the Lord uh, a short while ago. And we'd like to recognize her too in this moment. Uh, Trevor in the memorial talked about Mary and her tenacity. And that's kind of a word I want you seniors to think about, and as you go forward, uh, try to have that same tenacity and spirit that Mary had. So if you guys would uh, stay standing, Jesse's also going to be passing out some uh, Bibles to you, as we'd like to give you guys as kind of a parting gift. So um, make sure that you don't leave until you get those. So if you'd bow your heads, we'd like to pray for you guys. To celebrate these seniors, and uh, Lord, we just ask that you... Uh, just continue to grow their hearts, uh, make the, the wanting to know you stronger, uh, the love for you grow deeper, and just give them tenacity as they, uh, they move forward in this next chapter of life, Lord. Just thank you for uh, this group, this church, and the opportunity to get to minister to such a great group of kids. So it's in your sense that we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, awesome to get to see, and I know I have many memories and stories that I could share, and I've been so proud of the team of people, including John himself and the leadership that they've had. Uh, it is not, it's not easy to walk with uh, high schoolers for four years, and uh, I'm proud of Jade and Zach, too. Hello, it's the second time I've seen that video. I remember that conversation, Jade and Zach. It was a very fun one. You were very, I think they were a little bit more rested, you know, two kids down now. <laughs> Just proud of you. Uh, I will tell you this, go and love well. 
Go and love well this week. Be ambassadors of the love that you've received. Shake off anybody that would tell you different, that that's what we're supposed to do, but love well. Give out of the incredible grace and kindness that we've received as well. Hey, we're going to continue our series next week. We're going to do things very similar to what we have this week, so look for that RSVP. Make sure you sign up again. And uh, you know what? I know this. I'm certain of this in these uncertain times that someday we'll be together again, whether in this world or the next, with no restrictions. All right? But until that day, we're going to love well, trust in Jesus, and pursue full life. You guys have a great and glorious day in the Lord. We'll see you later.